Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Glowing in Tech podcast. Where we explore career development from black women in tech. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing, Glowing in Tech. Sponsored by Makers. We are so excited to have Renee Hunt to join us today on the podcast. She is the CTO of Compare the Market and does a lot of other things too. So Renee, can you tell us a bit more about you? Hello, everybody. It's so wonderful to be here and I'm very honored because uh, I understand this is your first one back since Christmas. Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, what do you want to know? So can you tell us a little bit about what being a CTO is like? Oh my goodness. I'm still figuring that out. I'm a C I call myself the accidental CTO. <laughs> uh, so it this is an important life lesson. So I had a, a picture in my head based on the really cool CTOs I'd work for that I thought were like amazing. And I have really good self-esteem. Like this is not a problem for me. But I was pretty sure I was not a CTO which is fine, right? Like there's loads of other great things you can do. And so I actively avoided being a CTO. People would call me for, you know, headhunters. Do you want to be a CTO? I'm like, uh, not the person, but I know people you could talk to. Um, and when I took my job at Compare the Market, I was working for somebody I'd worked for before who I really quite liked and thought, yeah, this would be a good place to finish out my career. And less than 90 days later, I found out that actually the intention was they were checking me out to see if I could be the CTO. Ooh. So I was very surprised, wow. very surprised. And then I had to think about it. like, And I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Mm -hmm. So being a CTO was not what I thought it was going to be in my head. It's um, every day is a school day. Because there's part of the job that I could do with my non-dominant hand with one eye closed, you know. And there's another part of the job where I feel like a swan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know where that is. Google, Google, Google. What the hell is that? <laughs> um, but I have a really great team. And I don't pretend to them what I do and don't know. Um, and it's helped me to be humble, which I'm not particularly good at. Um, but I'm learning humility every day. Um it, so basically, depending on the type of organization you're in, being a CTO spans the totality of technology. Mm -hmm. So I learned a long time ago, like hardware, not for me, right? So networks, not so bad, but, you know, things that, but I've really gravitated my career towards software engineering and a bit of cloud, a bit of database, but primarily software engineering. Mm -hmm. And now I have all of it. So I have to care about our cloud relationships. I have to clear about our SaaS um, uh, software that we purchase from various companies. Um, I have to care about our workplace technology. I have to care about our ERP systems. I have to care about all of it, all of the infosec like that. If you enjoy sleeping peacefully, don't be a CTO. Because <laughs> <laughs> infosec alone would keep you up at night going, oh, ransomware, right? Like, you know, like, <laughs> honestly, so... It's all of it, which is great because it's 
way more stimulating than doing something you could do with your non-dominant hand with one eye closed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we would like to get an industry insight in five from Renee, where she's going to try to introduce the industry she works in in five minutes or less. <laughs> I can't say my name in five minutes. I'm working on that. So I work in the fintech industry, which is super cool. Um, so it is the combination of finance and financial services where it hits technology. Um, and we use technology to make different types of financial vehicles available to normal people. What I love about working in fintech is that it's our company, especially, is fintech for good. So we take products that people buy, like insurance or other products where you can buy them annually, like broadband or energy, if that market ever comes back, and allow you to see all of the various products available to you, what the terms and conditions are, what's covered, what's not covered, and most importantly, we make the providers compete by giving you a best price. And the way it used to work, it was very, very narrow. Sometimes you'd have to go to one broker. The broker only had the relationships they had. We try and have as many relationships as possible so customers get a much better price. And what I love about my job in financial services, it's very difficult to find a market where there isn't some sort of like somebody loses. Mm. We can't make money unless we can save you money. There's no reason for you to do business with us unless we save you money. So it's a win for our customers. It's a win for our shareholders. It's a win for us as a brand. That's really cool. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, that's really nice. So in terms of the kind of fintech for good, how do you feel that impacts the kind of people that you look for? Like as a CTO, you're a large part of what you do is, is kind of building teams, right? Absolutely. So um, as a fintech, technology is the business. Mm -hmm. um, so we are more than 50% of the population of our business are technology people. So I need people who are exceptionally good at uh, code or the area of technology that they work in, but they can't, I call, I call, and sometimes in tech, we get so far away from the business that we're working in that we need other people to explain to us what it is we're writing code for. And that's not the tech I grew up in. So we need to bring our, like that knowledge and that appreciation for what the business does, how we make money, how we best serve customers into the technology per people. So, uh, you know, Cheers to my BAs, they're really important. And I need my developers to know that too, mm. to know the functional area of the business. So I look for rounded people, right? Like 10X developers, okay, maybe I want 10 of them, just 10 of them, because you know you get more than them in a bag and we just fight. So, <laughs> so yeah, you need some people who are just Jones on very, very deep backend issues. But for the most part, I want really rounded people, people with life experiences, people who might have actually even used one of the products, who care and have empathy for what it is that our customers need and what our business needs to run well, because that's where you're going to get the creative ideas. Mm -hmm. But if all of I'm doing is explaining, like, you know, like playing telephone with you with requirements, you know how that ends up, right? So yeah. that's what I look for. That's really cool. That's really cool. I just wanted to know about the fact that people kept pushing you towards CTO roles. 
Um, I don't think people push me towards CTO roles. I would, I think if you work in business long enough, and especially as a, a woman and a woman of color, lots of companies are trying to trying to address lots of different things. And I'm not throwing shade on any of that. There was a time being a woman of color would prevent you from getting jobs, mm -hmm. right? That you were very qualified for. So I think uh, agent, like headhunters and, um, you know, they are looking and they're looking at CVs and going, right, you know, it says IT, click, call her up, you know? Okay. And so I would get these calls saying, you know, because I was a director, I'd been a director in, in media for a long time. And so they'd go, oh, you've done a lot of jobs. Maybe you want to be a CTO. And I think a lot of people are chasing titles without thinking really hard about what makes them tick and what they want to mm. do. And for me, I, I figured out a while back that I'm not that interested in what people call me. I'm very interested in what I'm going to get paid. And I'm very interested in doing work I enjoy. And I don't need to chase the title to something I'm not going to enjoy to to equal what I want to be paid. And the sooner we can like understand that it is far better to do what you do amazingly and negotiate better pay than it is to do a job you're not going to enjoy mm -hmm. just to be paid. Right. Like you can get paid. Getting paid is not hard. Let me be very clear. <laughs> not hard. So. I just, I did nothing about being a CTO from what I had seen growing up appealed to me. Like I didn't, I don't like politics. I'm not big on a lot of the sort of administrivia of business. I didn't think I would want to sit around an exec table. Mm -hmm. I've had some questionable examples of execs that I've seen from the, from sitting on the sidelines that said, that's not really how I want to spend my time. Um, and I think arriving at CTM, I saw something different. I saw a group of people who were really aligned, who liked and respected each other, who got that we were a technology business um, and wanted to understand like what we did. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so I think a lot of the conditions were right at CTM to allow me to kind of think differently about the problem. But I'm not going to kid you. I was freaking out. Like I was like... <laughs> No, I had to talk to like two mentors, a really good friend. <laughs> I had to be talked into it. And even though I said, yes, I don't think I actually accepted I was going to actually do it for mm -hmm. about a month. Yeah. And, yeah, a month. And, and then it was like. Because <laughs> <laughs> how do you prepare for that? Like, well, I was, I couldn't, yeah. right? It was like one Next day, day. I, one day <laughs> I think I'm going to go in to talk about my new org structure and they go, yeah, that's lovely. Let me tell you something else. And I was just gobsmacked. I just didn't expect, I'd been there 90 days. Oh. I did not expect that to be the conversation. Mm -hmm. So. What was the role that you accepted? Uh, uh, director of product engineering. So leading all of the development teams that built the customer facing products. So what do you think, it's like what kind of skills do you think they were looking for in terms of like wanting to see you progress into being a CTO? Um, so I have my own theory, but I won't say it because this is recorded. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I just feel set up. I'm like, nobody makes that decision in 90 days, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm, I've been told it absolutely wasn't how it happened. Sure. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I think that my, my fellow exec are really 
like they're broad thinking people. I think if they looked for the traditional person for CTO, it wouldn't have been me. Like I'm, I don't think my CV matches what um, like a typical CTO would be. But I, if you think about like if I think about, uh, I had a taxi driver as a brother, right? And he's driving me to Oxford, and I'm working for Oxford University. And he said, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And I said, "I'm working at the business school." you know, doing some mentoring for some of their students. And he goes, why? What do you do? So I told him. And he said, well, he said, are you an engineer? And I said, well, strangely enough, no, I never studied engineering, but I've been working in engineering for the last 30 years, so I guess I'm an engineer now. And he said, why do you think you're good at what you're doing? That's deep. It's a taxi yeah. driver, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. not the usual chat. And I said, I think that, A, I can... I have the engineering skills, I've been a programmer, I understand how it works. But I think at the more senior levels, being shit hot in engineering matters less. Yeah. Being a good communicator, helping people to ask questions in a safe environment, managing risk, raising people, helping people to be better leaders matters more, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't think you could do that as complete novice like you couldn't you couldn't come out of finance for example and run a technology organization knowing nothing that would be dangerous we used to do that though <laughs> we used to do that though and look at what we're cleaning up now. <laughs> that would be dangerous but i think um having rounded skills makes me stand out in ways that other like you know 10x engineers don't and no no disregard one of my favorite CTOs in the world is a 10x engineer he's amazing you know but I bring something different to the table so no that's really good to hear because I think it can be tricky to imagine how you best position yourself to move into leadership especially when you're early on in your career so mm. I think like hearing that it it's not necessarily by being the best programmer um, and the best person at, at engineering yeah. in order to, yeah. But I would say stay, the, the danger, this would used to annoy me about women in tech. And part of the reason I think we struggle with certain levels of pipeline is that I would watch it happen time and again. You'd get a woman who was, you know, decent, okay as a developer. And while she's learning, like we all should have the, the grace, be given the grace to learn and be a bit shit while we're learning. They would say, oh, wait, but you can communicate. You're really good at PowerPoint. You're really good at talking to people. Why don't we make you the scrum master? Or oh, why don't we make yeah. you the, some job that takes you away and no disrespect, like a good scrum master is worth their weight in gold, but something that takes you out of really, really building your foundation too early and then you get a little longer along along and they go yeah but she's not technical is she yeah oh, which yeah. is just garbage the yeah. number of times i've had people challenge my ability to do the job who don't know me because if they knew me they'd know better oh <laughs> energy like i remember one of my favorite like like principal engineers a guy was solid and i said hey i've been called by this headhunter and he said yeah okay and he goes, are you going to, I said, well, it's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to see where they're going. And so they were calling me for a CTO role, which normally I would say no to, but this was a really interesting up and coming company. I'm like, let's see where we go. So they called me, right? I didn't call mm -hmm. them. 
They called me. They knew what my CV did. They knew all of it. And my final interview with the founder, right, he said to me three times, I'm really struggling to understand how you do all this if you're not an engineer. <laughs> and I was like, dude? And he goes, no, no, it's me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm 100% sure it's you. <laughs> yeah. And I said, don't you think... 30 years of working in software and writing software and leading teams that write software and QAing software and like having to explain to people why things don't, don't work or why we have to buy something else. Didn't you think like it's not luck? Yeah. Like it's not luck. So and and I did, that was all I needed to know. I'm like, I don't thank you. I don't want to work for y'all. And he was like, no, 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 it's me. It's me. I'm like, yeah, but you've built a company of people like you and I'm yeah. going to spend all day explaining to everybody how I managed to get up this morning and brush my teeth by myself <laughs> even though I'm not an engineer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that just I think a it over it it over complicates what it is that it is what we're doing right like there are certain jobs yeah I want to have somebody who's got that full background the theory the practical to come and be responsible for parts of what we're doing absolutely but if I had a team of people who only did that I think we would miss bigger things much bigger things I'm sure they had loads of engineers on those hand dryers that don't work when you <laughs> put him brown hands under it mm -hmm. I wonder how they missed that right mm -hmm. I would love to see the testing I would love to see the test. <laughs> um, something that we talk about a lot is the difference in working culture between the US and the UK and the difference in engineering culture <laughs> specifically and the kind of pay differences. Oh and um, yeah, I'm really interested to hear because you've come from the US and you yeah, now work. Yeah, I've been for gone for 25 years though. So I don't feel like I'd be that credible because <laughs> um, I don't know what it's like in the US at all now, like nothing other than what I've heard. I know that they get paid a lot more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember the shock of coming here and I came here and I'd just been promoted and had a nice fat raise. And I thought when I'm moving to DC and uh, moving here and they were from DC and they said, um, are you going to rent an apartment? I said, yeah, I think so. And they said, okay, so if you just to give you an idea. So one of my mentors had moved like six months before me and he was telling me about it. He said, okay, do you own your house? I said, yeah. He goes, okay, think about your house. Think about the size of your house. I'm like, yeah, just think about the distance it is from the city. And I said, okay, yeah, okay. And he goes, now take your mortgage and put a pound sign in front of it. Now, for those of us watching in 2023, I know pound dollar is almost the same, and that is shameful. But then it was like $1.60 mm -hmm. to yeah. the pound, yeah. right? So he said, put a pound sign in front of it. And I went, <gasps> and then he said the killer, now make it a week. And I went, no way, <laughs> way. He goes, if you want that much space, that close to London, da, 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 make it a week and it's about right. And I went, no way. Oof. So everything was way more expensive here, like mm -hmm. way more expensive, except the theater. That was cheap. <laughs> everything was way more expensive. And I'm like, I said, well, so they must make a lot more money anyway. <laughs> I was like, yeah, so money is definitely different in the US. I think, um, and this sounds like cliche, but I can say this, the expectation of how long and how 
much work you put in in a normal day is way more in America mm. than it is anywhere in Europe to include the UK. So the work-life balance doesn't really happen in the way it does here. Mm. I don't know. I don't know where they are on mental health, but there's certain phrases that people used to say when I moved to the UK that I just didn't understand. Like they're signed out for stress. I was like, that doesn't happen in America, or at least didn't in America. Mm. I left. Like, mm -hmm. Signed out for stress, you just get fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you what? <laughs> so, and, and, and I have to take that seriously. And I still struggle with the idea that, oh, like, I think we just use stress as a big bucket term. And there's the stress that allows you to stay, like, in, in your flow state, mm -hmm. which it, it's it's pushing you. It's allowing you to grow. It it challenges you maybe it doesn't always feel great but it allows you to sort of get to that next level it's like if you work out if you worked out and you don't work it out to stress you're not building that muscle mm -hmm. right so there's a level of stress that is healthy and fine and then there's a level yucky horrible stress that pushes you into like anxiety i get that um i think in america nobody cares about your anxiety <laughs> Yeah. It's like you're not meant to work here, then go work somewhere else. It is a bit that's more cutthroat. Yeah, over there. that's really cutthroat. Um, but again, I'm talking 25 years ago. Maybe they were evolved. For <laughs> our American viewers, now. please let us know. Please let us know. Go, girl, what are you talking about? You ain't been here in forever. Um, but I don't feel credible. I'm going to say that one more time because it's been, I've been, I feel like I did most of my professional growing up and learning on this side of the pond because mm -hmm. I've been here since I was in my early 30s so yeah I actually have a question about leadership yeah okay so what what I really want to know so a lot of leadership books that I've been written reading has been predominantly written by men and I always want to know what like kind of female leadership looks oh like oh my gosh um one don't discount the leadership books written by my men a lot of the is the same um, and I've written, written, I've written, I wish I've read many, many leadership books written by men that I love. One of my favorite books was not only written by a white male, but he was also in the military. And yet I find so many lessons from that mm -hmm. book that I use everywhere I go because why invent something new? Um, and it's very, um, it's not that it's not command and control at all, which is what I love about it. Um, so what does female leadership look like? I think the stereotype is terrible, to be honest, yeah. about female leadership. And I think we have the opportunity to kind of rewrite a narrative about it, especially in technology. So I don't know. You'd have to ask the people who work for me. And I've, I've heard multiple things. Teams that I have, I've, I've put together myself, I have a lot of trust in, I've worked with before describe me as being you know really like high levels of autonomy I hire the best people I can find I don't get in their business I, I feel like all leadership all leadership's function is twofold fold one is to raise the people that they have the luxury of leading like to raise new leaders and then function two is to be operating in the future because if I'm operating in, in the same time horizon that you're operating in, then I'm going to be micromanaging or saying I'm sorry from a higher place. Like there's nothing I can do to fix or to avoid something going wrong in real time. Mm -hmm. Can't do it, right? So if I'm doing my job properly, 
I'm operating in the future because I'm describing a strategy or a vision or a set of objectives to help people to say in three years, in two years, in five years, we need to do this. That's me being in the future. Um, And then I need to be working backwards from there to unblock obstacles. So how does that show up for me today? Today, I'm thinking about the organization we're going to need after we do this. We're, We're doing a big bit of work at the moment around our our architecture and it's going to change a lot about how we work so i'm thinking about what type of people do we need what type of relationships are we going to need do we need to have a different office what type of training do i need to give to my people and start getting that in place now for something that won't happen for 18 months Mm -hmm. right because i can't be in the business of now to 18 months because i'll just piss off the people whose job it is to do that Why are you doing it like that? It's helpful. Everybody loves that. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you stay tuned for next week's episode where we'll be talking to Renee again about the challenges she faced in her career as well as hearing about her controversial take on something within the tech industry. Available on all major podcast platforms. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.